Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into episode 82 of the Landscape Photography Show. And before we get into it, I do want to recognize one of the patrons to the Patreon page for the Landscape Photography Show, Richard Wise. I want to say thank you so much for being a patron and supporting the show. If you'd also like to help support the show and get some benefits in return, you can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston, or you can go to the Patreon link button in the show notes of this episode. So thank you so much for Richard for being a patron of the podcast and helping support keeping the podcast going week after week with great guests like we have today. And today we actually have three photographers joining us, Ernesto Ruiz, Jennifer Renwick, who you've heard on the podcast before, and Beth Young. And I wanted to talk to each one of them and as a group, as a panel, about the slow photography movement that they've been heading up for a few years now. And I wanted to talk about the momentum that it's been gaining over the past few years and why it seems to be this release of expression and renaissance of creativity for a lot of photographers when you're able to do the slow photography movement take into effect some of the things that they suggest and also de-stress the situation by just photographing what seems to come to you as a photographer. I also specifically wanted to ask them why they decided to use a word like movement to define what they were trying to do with the landscape photography community and enlighten us in a specific way. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the podcast. We're joined by Ernesto Ruiz, Jennifer Renwick, and Beth Young. And I want to welcome all of you guys to the podcast and Really, we're talking this podcast episode about the movement that you guys have called the slow photography movement. Ernesto, you're the one who really approached me about doing this and got this ball rolling. So why don't I throw it to you first? How how did this actually get started and when did it get started? Thanks, David. Uh, Very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm kind of the, I think at least in the past year, I've been the main cheerleader here. Uh, So I, uh, I approach people and, and, you know, I'm just trying to spread the word and, and uh, get, you know, get us maybe a little more visible. Uh, but, you know, we started this in 2018 and it was basically, uh, you know, this is an idea that came to me in a conversation with my wife about um, how do I get more motivated? I was feeling kind of a little emptiness in terms of social media uh, and, and um, lack of fulfillment maybe. And uh, she made the comment, what do you, maybe what, what you need to do is practice some slow photography. And this idea just kind of took a life of its own. I reached out to a few people that whose work I really enjoyed and who's, you know, who I love what they were doing. And they seem to be uh, really connected to uh, the kind of approach that, that uh, I, I thought this would be about. And, and uh, Jennifer and Beth, uh, you know, and then the first few weeks right away, they joined and uh, we've had a lot of fun getting this off the ground. And again, just trying to change the culture of photography into something that values the experience and kind of, uh, you know, more deeper connections to, to landscape, to place and to people. 
Yeah. And Beth, when did you kind of join in? Yeah. So um, Ernesto reached out to me um, back. It was also in 2018, I believe. Um, and uh, Jennifer and I were already connected on Facebook as friends. And I remember her posting something um, about her involvement in it. I was like, oh, wow, that sounds, you know, it sounds really interesting. It sounds some, like something really pertinent to what I want to do, because like, you know, like Ernesto alluded to, um, it's really easy to get caught up in this trap in social media um, of comparing yourself with others, of chasing likes and chasing followers. And um, this seemed to to me to be more of an avenue to collaborate with other like-minded photographers um, on something that was uh, a little bit more personally meaningful um, and so that's, that's what slow photography movement represents to me. Um, it's just, it's kind of a break away from the, you know, chasing likes, chasing followers and getting caught up in that trap of comparing yourself to other photographers. Jennifer, when you were approached to about being involved in this movement, what, what was the first thing that went through your mind? So I was really excited, actually. It's funny. I remember exactly where I was when Ernesto Instagram messaged me and he was like, hey, I'm starting this thing. I know you don't know me, but I think you'd be a good fit. We were actually in San Diego and it's just so funny. Like, I don't know why I remember where exactly I was, but um, I just remember feeling pretty excited because it was actually something um, even at the time I didn't you know, consider myself a slow photographer, but looking at kind of what Ernesto wanted to make of this, I realized I had already kind of been doing these things. Um, it was 2018 and I had already kind of gone through my epiphany of, you know, trying to not let social media influence me, recognizing that, you know, I want to photograph what I want to photograph, what interests me, um, not so much chasing the light, but little quieter scenes and just, you know, putting my emotions into my photography and, you know, I wander when I photograph. Like, I mean, I rarely head out with a plan. I wander. I chase what, you know, curiosities catch my eye. Um, and I, you know, I really like connecting deeply with the places that I shoot. And that's kind of what Ernesto, you know, said that this was all about. And I was really excited to hop on board and see what we could do with this. I thought it was a wonderful idea. What, and, and anybody can answer this question, what in comparison, though, is fast photography? Well, I, you know, I think that uh, there's two things that stand out to me. Uh, and, you know, I think we, Jennifer and Beth and I have talked about this at length. And, you know, this doesn't mean that we're not running around sometimes chasing an image and and moving fast, right? It has nothing to do with that. But uh, I think that there's, there's a culture out there of kind of checking places off and, like, just kind of, like, you know, do, getting it done and moving on to the next thing and not really uh, connecting with, with what you're photographing. So I think to me, the opposite is, uh, you know, where you're focusing on quantity and, and, you know, checking off how many places you've visited. You know, <laughs> I hate those profiles with like, you know, you know, a thousand continents and, you know, whatever. But, but, you know, generally this this culture of, of, uh, of, you know, you did it and you moved on. And I think we're, we're, we're trying to emphasize something that by slow, we kind of mean, you know, you come back and you get to know more and you explore and you see more. 
Yeah, I was going to pile on to what Ernesto said. And, um, you know, for me, you know, slow, slow photography encompasses a lot of things, you know, to Ernesto's point, um, you know, checking off bucket list locations. Um, I think we've all as photographers kind of fallen somewhat into that trap. Um, you know, I, I live near a lot of iconic locations, um, which I've done my fair share of, you know, getting my own shots of tunnel view and all that. Um, but, you know, for me, slow, it's, it's about um, appreciating the mundane, maybe, or the potentially mundane, um, and building up an appreciation and a reverence um, for the photo opportunities that are closer to home and less iconic. Um, and it's, for me, it's also about slowing down and studying other photographers' work. You know, what are they, um, you know, what are the details, the tones, the composition in their work and understanding where they came from in their uh, photography journey. So that's a little bit what it means to me personally. And I think we're seeing a, like kind of almost like a, a shift um, in landscape photography. You know, I know when I got started, it was about those, you know, wide scenes, those really close foregrounds, you know, the really dramatic light. And I mean, that that's all stunning. And I still chase images like that every now and then. I mean, we're photographers, you know, we're, we're still a sucker for good light. Um, but I, you know, I think it's to me, slow photography is more about, you know, the experience and more about connecting. Um, you know, everyone can take the same photo, but not have the same experience. And it's those little experiences that are so... I don't know what the right word would be, but I mean, to me, I, I just get so much out of when I can actually read a story or read a caption of a quieter image and actually see what that person's thought process was, you know, kind of why they connected with that. And to me, it's a little more fulfilling than just a pretty snapshot. Um, so in the past few years, you know, we've, we've actually seen, at least I have, kind of a shift and we've even seen it in our workshops. So people aren't so much chasing those iconic scenes, but now they want to create photography that's a little more meaningful and personal to them. Um, and it's been really exciting to see, you know, I mean, back in the day, you know, this wasn't quite the type of photography that caught attention. But like I said, we, we're starting to see that shift. And it seems that more and more people are excited about this and trying to get into that. So that that's pretty promising because, you know, photography would be boring if it were all the same in your face compositions, you know, great light unicorns, rainbows, you know, really close foregrounds. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of cultivate a little different experience. Would you say it's more inspired photography? Definitely. Um, yeah, because, you know, we're all inspired by different things and it's seeing what everyone's journey and inspirations are when they photograph. Like to me, that that's what makes this craft wonderful. I mean, just getting those different perspectives. Why, why use the word movement specifically? I'm curious. Well, I, I'll have to, I'll have to answer that for, because uh, I think I had come came I came up with this name uh, before I uh, contacted Beth and Jennifer. But you know, the the reason was really because it was uh, connected to the idea of the slow movement. You know, and and the bigger notion of the slow movement, which you know, there's the slow food movement and there's the slow travel movement, and and a lot of those have to do with with kind of fighting, you know, the the more modern uh, perception that everything that's faster is better, right? Uh, so so um, you know, when when the idea of slow photography came up uh, and we started talking about the slow movement, 
I started researching the slow movement and then, you know, don't ask me too much because I probably forgot half of what I learned back then. But, uh, but, but, you know, it was an, it was an interesting concept, right. And, and the whole, uh, focus on quality versus speed and quality versus quantity. Um, you know, uh, it, it, I think when one place I read that it all started, uh, you know, in a pushback against a McDonald's somewhere. Um, but you know, it's an interesting concept and, you know, we certainly don't try to lay claim to this idea as if we're invented it. This is a, a much bigger concept and we're just trying to create, uh, you know, the alternative could have been maybe the slow photography project, right. Or something along those lines. And that, I think that could have worked just as well. Beth and, and Jennifer, since Ernesto kind of came up with it, what, what does the word movement mean to you? To me, it just means, you know, it's just a change in thinking. It's a, it's a different take on, you know, already a, a common subject, you know, nature photography. Um, it's just a different way of seeing the world. It's, it's getting someone to kind of literally, you know, slow down when they're out in the field and really focus on the qualities that they're photographing that, you know, interest them, you know, excite them. Um, you know, what makes them curious and just, you know, realizing that photography doesn't have to be, you know, have to be one big rush to capture sunrise and sunset. There are so many other opportunities out there if you just take the time to slow down and, you know, appreciate the experience. You know, I mean, I think I almost feel like the experience has been lost in this craft a little bit, especially in the last few years, because people are so intent on, you know, chasing those dramatic moments and I think a lot of us have kind of, you know, maybe lost touch a bit with nature and the whole reason why we got into this in the first place. And I think the slow photography movement kind of brings us back to that place to create kind of more of that mindfulness. Yeah, and I'd add to that, um, you know, the word movement and slow photography movement, you know, it to me, it kind of... Um, puts a, puts a stake in the ground, right? <laughs> you know, that this is something worth uh, getting behind, but that's, that's also not to say that the three of us are any kind of experts um, in slow photography by any means. Um, it's just something that we all aspire to. Um, and we also like to connect with other people who also aspire to that. And to Jennifer's point, it's, you know, you know, we've all, I think we've all come from a place where we felt like, you know, the experience and those unique stories were kind of getting lost. And for, you know, for us, the slow photography movement is a way to celebrate that, not just our own photography, but, you know, our audience as well. I, what I love about this, David, I, I hadn't thought about this. Uh, and, uh, you know, the more that, that in this chat right now, I'm realizing I love the word movement in here. You know, it's like, cause who doesn't want to be a part of a movement? You know, it's, it's inclusive, it's inviting, you know, Let, let's do this together, right? I think the word that that comes to mind for me is is energizing. It's a movement can energize a population. A movement can energize a community. Uh, and it, it seems like, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Ernesto, coming right back to you, is is a community. What what you're trying to build with this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think we, we've talked about this at length. Like, we're, this is really not. This is the you know we're not self-promoting here. We're trying to build a culture that celebrates. We celebrate each other. We celebrate everybody who joins in our community, and that's how we see it. We see it as a community of uh, very engaged photographers who who share this uh, perspective on on how we want to do you know this this either this profession or this hobby, depending on who we are. 
one thing that's coming to mind for me is comparing and contrasting whenever I go out and shoot if I'm rushed versus if I'm going to the same location that I've already been to when I was rushed the first time. The second time I'm coming back with a very different mindset. I know what's there. Um, I would like to go around and, and each of you think about a specific location you've been multiple times and compare to me what your emotional state and what your creativity state was like each time you went the first time versus second, third, fourth, fifth. And let's go Ernesto, Jennifer, Beth. Um, yeah, I would love, love to uh, talk about this. First of all, I'll plug Jennifer's article for SPM on Yellowstone. And maybe she can talk more about that later. But if you want to con- compact story that really says that very well i think her article uh, on this was fantastic uh for me you know one place that i would uh refer to is the boundary waters uh, canoe area wilderness in northern minnesota so it's a place where you uh, you know it's very close to us it's maybe four hours away but it's a place where you go and you you paddle in and you're in the wilderness you know there's no cell phone signal you're you're camping uh, and you're paddling or portaging with your canoe and your shoulders between legs. And so we go yearly. And so this is a great place where I've seen kind of my photography interest kind of develop where the first year I was, I was shooting definitely kind of the, looking for what is the, the big epic sunrise sunset that captures this place. And then I started looking at smaller scenes and uh, it was kind of interesting that the last time I went, I mostly shot, uh, tree bark. I actually wrote a piece on this for for the for our website as well. Where uh, it was, you know, uh, there was a lot of beauty around me, but what captured my attention during the last visit was the bark of these trees and at the campsite, you know, like, you know, around my tent, which was really kind of fascinating. And again, this influence. Uh, this is like a perfect example of 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 how I think Jennifer and Beth have influenced my perspective on photography as well. And you know, everybody else. At the, at, at, in our social platforms and, and et cetera. So for me, it's been uh, maybe seeing how, how you start kind of looking past the more obvious, if you will, to learning to actually see whatever catches your eye instead of uh, having a preconceived notion of what you're going to photograph. And I think that's kind of the lesson that I keep learning. Yeah, for me, I, w- I mean, this won't come as, you know, as a surprise to anybody when I say this and, it's actually two places. I mean, yes, Yellowstone is is very personal to me. Um, and thank you, Ernesto, for your wonderful feedback on the article. I I I totally forgotten about that article. See, we've been doing this a while. Like I'm forgetting things. Um, but yeah, Yellowstone is a very you know personal place to me for a number of reasons. Um, I won't give away the article so much in your know, case people want to go read it. So I'll pick my other favorite, which is no surprise, which is Death Valley. Um, I've definitely had more than enough time to explore that area for the last five years. I've had everything from, you know, happy emotions to sad emotions. It's actually where I was when I found out that my mother had passed away. Um, So I had to go through a whole range of, you know, I I love this place. Oh my God, I've got this aversion to this place now. Like I have this horrible memory. I don't want to go back there for a while. And just my whole healing process on getting to know it again, to get comfortable with it and almost come to peace with that. Um, 
But um, an amazing thing about you know both Yellowstone and Death Valley is they're very dynamic. They're constantly changing. Um, so slow photography, you know, part of slow photography for me is exploring, getting to know an area, and that includes even if it's an area you've previously scouted, you know, going back looking at it in different weather conditions, different seasons, because it'll yield different imagery each time. And Death Valley is a great place to let go of your expectations. I mean, if you haven't been there, you know, at first glance, it's just this big brown desolate wasteland because it's a super harsh desert environment. But if you actually take the time to walk around, start exploring these areas by yourself, you'll see all these little nuances that just make up, you know, wonderful nuances that just make up this incredibly exciting landscape. Um, so for instance, you know, there's a playa that I, I frequent um, and I know that if it rains or if it snows, if I give it a day or two, it'll melt, come down the mountains, kind of pool on the playa. And then if I give it another few days, it'll dry up and just create all these mesmerizing mud patterns. Um, so over the years, by getting to know that area and slowing down, taking the time to explore in those different conditions, I've been able to go back year after year and just find brand new things in an area that I've photographed countless times. And to me, that's that's part of the process, too. And I think I actually wrote about this on Slow Photography, too. I think there's an article on this. But it's just a good example of, you know, even though you've been to an area, slowing down, getting to know it you know, studying it in different weather conditions, different light, you know, can just open up a whole new opportunity. And I'm all about maximizing my opportunities when I'm out photographing. And that's one way to do that is, you know, really visit those locations and take the time to get to know them. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think Yosemite would be the obvious choice. Um, you know, living in Sacramento, uh, the park is about three hours away. Um, so obviously it's a, a location that I like to return to again and again. And, and the challenge is, of course, um, you know, not getting the postcard shots, not getting the iconic uh, grand landscapes, but rather maybe taking time and walking up and down the Merced River and finding some, you know, quiet scenes. Um, and Jennifer actually also wrote about that recently as well, which was really nice. Uh, you know, there there are really beautiful small scene opportunities there. Um, so that's, you know, one location. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a plug for a, another location if I can. Um, and that's going up to the Mount Shasta area. Um, it hasn't really been super discovered by a lot of photographers, but it's such a beautiful area. It's not super iconic. It's not, you know, photographed, you know, ad nauseum like Yosemite is. And it's a little bit more challenging, too, to find, um, you know, those places. But I was introduced to that area through my husband, um, who grew up in Reading, and I had never been up there before. And we've been going back year after year in different times of the year and just finding different stuff all the time, every time we go back up, because there's not like, you know, there's very few iconic, I think, Mount Shasta shots, you know, of that area. So it really involves a lot of um, exploration, experimentation, play, um, to kind of get something that um, embodies the spirit of a place. You know, the reason I asked the question is, is in preparation for this discussion, um, I just got back from Southern Utah where, you know, in, in Kanab, you can stay and there and, and visit multiple different parks from one center point. And before I left, I had a plan in mind of all these places that I was going to go. I was, you know, I hit this place for sunrise, go this place for sunset, 
blah, blah, blah. We've all been there. But I, I was so anxious before I went about what the conditions were going to be like, what I was going to see when I was there. Was I going to get the shot that I was pre-meditating in my mind? And I thought, let's turn this on, on its head a little bit and let's think a little bit differently about this. And I would just drive into Zion in the middle of the day, find a wash to hike down and just go down there and, and kind of just see what I found. And, and I don't know if this is the same with you, with everybody in this panel, but I took so many more shots than I would have if I had just gone to one point and waited. Uh, and really they're, they're more inspired photographs and they're more connected to, to the experience. Do you see the same thing playing out for you? I do. Um, I have a very anxious mind. <laughs> I overthink things. I know David and I have talked about this in Instagram messages, like when he posts a funny meme and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's totally me. Um, so yeah, I live a life where, you know, I overthink things. I'm constantly, my mind is constantly spinning and churning. So I get super nervous when I try to plan those photography shoots where I'm like, I need my weather to look like this. I hope, you know, there's fog. I hope this happens. And the anxiety is almost too much for me. And it's like, okay, I deal with my like high functioning anxiety on a normal daily basis. So like, why am I doing this to myself? Um, so that's why I've really embraced slow photography because it, it really, it helps turn that mind off. You know, if I don't have expectations and I just go wander into the woods, I don't know what I'm going to find. And that's the beauty of it. There are no expectations. There's no stress because as soon as you start having expectations, you put pressure on yourself. As soon as you have that pressure, your creative block is just knocking on the door waiting to happen. And, you know, stress is not good for creativity. So I just like to leave all of that at the door and just head out and explore. And I mean, most of my favorite images have all occurred that way. And people will be like, oh, you must have planned this. You must have known that that, you know, ice was forming like that. And it's been like, no, a lot of my stuff is right outside the parking lots. A lot of my stuff is just right off a trail. Um, you know, it's it's not hard to find this stuff. It's just if you're able to open your mind, let those expectations go, slow down, take the time. You start to find all these little treasures in places that you never would have dreamed. I, I, I want to uh, follow up on that with a similar thought. David, I think that uh, you posted a story recently where you're like, uh, you know, people think I'm at all these wonderful places and you turn the camera around and it's like a parking lot. And I was I, in a, a pharmacy parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic because, um, you know, here's the thing. And it's kind of funny because we were all talking about like, you know, uh, Jennifer and Beth were talking about Yosemite and Death Valley. And I was talking about the boundary or whatever, which is still a, a beautiful place. And, you know, but in reality, I think a lot of us, uh, uh, or at least let's be me speak with myself, I guess. I'm not really like going to these places often now with the primary purpose of doing photography. It so happens in my case, for example, that we are taking this family trip to the boundary waters yearly. So then I bring my photography with me, right? And I think that um, it, it's interesting that for me, my approach has definitely changed completely in the way that you are describing, David, where I, I honestly do not recall the last time I got up for a sunrise or, um, uh, you know, or, or planned a photography, a photography outing based on weather or anything like that. Um, I've kind of chilled and kind of relaxed. And because I am also a little bit, I can get anxious about this is why I, you know, why I 
set up this whole concept in the first place. I was I was struggling with my anxiety about not everything that I was not accomplishing or doing that it was really making it a lot less fun. But now I really kind of have a lot of moments like your story hinted where there's a lot of my favorite images. I'm, honestly, most of my own favorite images are like from the road, I spotted something, so I stopped and I pull over the shoulder and I put my telephoto on and, you know, or or I went out to, you know, wonderful Como Park here in urban St. Paul, Minnesota, like two minute walk from my front door and I find a tree or something. And there's all these things that are, you know, you look at the image and it feels like you're like out in nature, but it's just like, no, I mean, it's like you, you cropped it to, you know, like there's the sidewalk is just off the frame or, you know, there's, there's a car that just drove by and you have to wait for it. Or, you know, there's something that that's just outside of the frame or the experience that, um, that you just were able to edit out. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, the three of us talk about this a lot and letting go of expectations and, and the importance of that to recapturing that joy of photography and just allowing yourself to play and experiment and, you know, try new things, try different focal lengths, try different techniques um, and not, not be so worried about, you know, are you going to get another shot for the portfolio? Um, allow yourself um, to have fun and also um, to fail. I mean, you can try something and, Hey, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else. Um, you know, I recently had an experience where, um, I went on a camping trip and it was at a very non-iconic location. It was just up in the Sierra foothills, not far from home. Um, tiny little lake. It could barely be called a lake. It was more like a pond. But, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll just throw my camera gear uh, in the truck. And and if, if something catches my eye, I'll get it. And, you know, I had the most fun just walking around the shoreline of that little lake um, with the macro lens um, and capturing you know, there was like dew sparkling on the grass. And I just spent, you know, all morning crawling around on my stomach photographing that, um, or even like water ripples, you know, there were some really cool reflections and the ripples. So I would just play around with that. And honestly, I absolutely love those images. And I'm like, man, I really need to do this more. Because like I said, we're not um, we're not experts and we don't always practice slow photography, but, you know, when I do, I find myself, I get the most joy out of it. Yeah. Can I, can I also re kind of reinforce that point that I want to say, Beth has said it a couple of times and I want to say it too. Like I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is, it's my goal to become a fully functioning slow photographer. And I've made a lot of progress over the past few years here uh, because I'm getting something back out of this effort, right? Like I, this was an idea and it was kind of a goal. And now I'm kind of, I'm learning from it. And I'm realizing, no, it's actually, it's helping me. Uh, so when I, when I say that I haven't gone out to shoot this or that, or I'm not really driven by the weather or by a preconceived, this is new. This is new over the past couple of years and 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 it's it's going more in that direction and, and that's kind of part of what i'm really enjoying here is 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 learning and seeing what others are doing and you know when you surround yourself by people that see things a certain way uh then that helps so yeah i mean i, I just wanted to say you know we're not we're not preaching something that that we're trying to say that you know we know and we're going to teach you know you how to do this it's like we're we're learning how to do this that's how i feel also and i i think too it's important and we've all talked about this too and to kind of pile on to what beth said she made a good point you know it's really about balance because i mean 
we're photographers. Of course, I'm still going to have images in my portfolio where there's a, you know, wonderful sunset going on, or I'm excited to, you know, maybe someday go to Iceland and, you know, chase the Northern Lights. Um, you know, does that mean I'm not a slow photographer anymore? Absolutely not. It's, it's like every, everything else. There's a balance that you kind of strike. Um, so I know on the days when, you know, because despite what Instagram and social media let you know, I mean, those banger sunsets do not happen every day. I mean, I live on the road full time teaching and, you know, shooting um, 365 days a year, pretty much minus COVID time. But I can count on one hand per year how many of those amazing sunsets and sunrises we see. And yeah. And so what do you do then? Well, then that's your opportunity to go practice slow photography if those aren't going on. You know, just open your mind a little bit more. Um, and even though you hear us talk about smaller scenes, I think all three of us and I don't want to speak for anyone, but I think it's more when we slow down. Those are the types of scenes that we're just easily seeing. Um, that's not to say you can completely go out and shoot grand landscapes and really take your time, set up a wonderful composition. And that could also be slow photography. Night photography could also be slow photography. You know, it's very subjective. Um, so I just I just want to you know reiterate that, you know, we're not against, you know, wide scenes. It's just when you ask us, you know, kind of our take on it. I think all three of us just kind of realize that when we do slow down, we just gravitate more toward the quieter, smaller scenes. Yeah, and it would be very disingenuous for me to like be against white scenes because my portfolio is probably still, still mostly that. If you were somebody were to actually take a critical look, but you know, there's no, there's no reason. I think like Jennifer said, why you can't, you could have a beautiful, perfectly connected to place, wonderful slow experience, and shoot a wide angle landscape. Like there's nothing, you know. In fact, you know, I have, I'm, I'm recalling one experience. I was at. You know, we were in New Zealand a few years ago, and we camped for, this was about a year before SPM. Um, we call it SPM, David. Uh, so about a year before SPM, um, and I was at Castle Point Lighthouse, and I was having this composition, and I had my, uh, I had set up my tilt shift lens because I had this lighthouse in it, and it was like, you know, all done, and I was just waiting for the sunset. And, you know, but I was set up like, you know, 45 minutes in advance and just kind of waiting it out. Right. And to, maybe that's a very contemplative state that you can get in if you are if you are just sitting there enjoying it. And there were two other photographers there who left right after the sunset because it was it looked like gray skies and dull and like nothing was. And they just left. I'm like, bummer. Oh, man, you know, whatever. And they left. And I'm like, I'm, I'm enjoying this. So I'm going to sit it out and I, I'm not going to get a shot, but I'm just going to. And then boom like one of the five most wonderful uh uh sunsets happened like the this where the sky just washes in magenta you know happened like a few minutes later i'm like thinking about those people like oh man they're in their car right now uh look <laughs> watching this happen uh, because they were so focused on getting the shot that they couldn't actually then just say forget about it i'm gonna enjoy the experience and uh you know i still feel for them I got, I got one more thing to add. Um, and that is, you know, I think when we, when we have constraint or we put constraint on ourselves, um, I think it could really fuel creativity, you know, because it kind of forces you to seek out the unusual, um, and kind of seek out mundane objects that might all of a sudden reveal themselves to you as being a really interesting, composition. Um, and, you know, we've all lived through the pandemic now for over a year. And I think we've all been forced to kind of stay closer to home, uh, finding compositions closer to home and not necessarily traveling as much. 
Uh, but I, for me personally, like I've really developed this profound gratitude um, for a lot of the smaller scenes that are closer to home. Um, and I never had that before. I didn't have that before the pandemic. And I didn't fully have that before I joined SPM, you know, with Jennifer and Ernesto. And that's that's been a really awesome lesson for me to learn. It, it doesn't matter what the weather conditions are. There's always something to shoot, no matter what time of day, uh, no matter where you're at. Hey guys, real quick, I just want to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast. I know there's always ways that we're looking to stand out and potentially get more clients or more buyers for our photography, whether that be prints or courses we're making, or if you do something like commercial photography, getting clients that way can always be difficult and standing out can always be difficult. That's why the sponsor today wanted to remind you that USB Memory Direct is a way that you can create custom flash drives to help your branding stand out. They offer over 50 styles of customizable flash drives to ensure that you have the opportunity to get one that fits your branding. And if you don't see one of those 50 styles, they actually also create completely custom shaped flash drives for those really looking to get their branding on point. And, you know, I think the majority of people who use these flash drives from USB Memory Direct use them as a way to not only get their images into clients' hands or potential clients' hands at trade shows or if you're just meeting one-on-one -on -one in a coffee shop, but they do so in a way that reminds the client or potential client of who you are and what your brand is. Not only that, they offer price matching, a lifetime warranty, and free shipping to the United States and Canada. So go ahead and go over to usbmemorydirect.com and get your custom shaped flash drive. And if you go to today's show notes, they also have a specific link for flash drives used the most popular by other photographers. Let's get back to today's episode. In terms of something like creative flow, and, and, and I know I've talked about creative flow on the podcast before, it's, it's this frame of mind that photographers can get in where it's like everywhere you look, you're seeing some composition that speaks to you or inspires you. And before you know it, you think you've been there 10 minutes maybe and three hours have gone by. Have you experienced the, the slow photography process eliciting or inducing that creative flow more strongly than other times? I, okay. I think that, um, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing. I don't know about Jennifer and Beth, but I usually, I am usually out with my wife, probably 80, 90% of the time when I'm shooting, it's because we're we're hiking or we're we're doing something, and I brought my camera. Um, uh, but there's sometimes when we make a stop along the side of the road, you know. And you know, recently, you know, recently it was like zero degrees out, right? And there's on the side of the road. I'm like, I see a composition, so I get out of the car, and um, I walk back to the car when, you know, five minutes later and my wife tells me it's actually been 35 minutes and, you know, you're like, whoa, what, what do you, what do you mean? Um, but that, yeah, that is because, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, in this particular case, I was looking at, at ice charts on the 
shoreline of Lake Superior, and you're looking at these beautiful triangles of ice, how they stack up against each other, and there's no way of finding a composition. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Okay, maybe not, but it's 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 gorgeous, right? And and you're like, I need to capture. It's so stunning, and the light is falling, and it's just wonderful. And you're just looking at every single, so I'm just walking slowly along the shore, like trying to find and enjoying the sounds of the crack, the ice as it's cracking and moving. And again, it feels like it was just a few minutes, but it's because you're so immersed in the experience that uh, that that it, it feels like that time flies by. And yeah, those are my favorite kinds of experiences. And, and there's, you know, with, at some time, most of those times you don't get a shot. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but it, it does feel like you're, when you kind of lose yourself in it, right? And that's when it's the most fun. And I think that's kind of the uh, at the core of what, what we're talking about when we talk about a slow process. Yeah, my, my husband teases me all the time because I'm like, I'll just be out here for five or 10 minutes and it'll be five hours <laughs> by the time I come back because um, I get so lost in what I'm doing. But I think, you know, when you get into that creative flow state, um, it helps if you have a really deep reverence for your subject and a really deep connection uh, with your subject um, that you can just truly feel in your heart. And then it's hard to to walk away from that once you get into that creative flow. Um, you know, I like this January, I was uh, down in the Sequoias um, and I was shooting with a friend of mine who was also shooting with me. And she's about as crazy as I am because <laughs> we, we spent... I think it was 12 hours um, in the sequoias. It was just beautiful conditions. There was snow, there was fog. And I, I'm an absolute nut for shooting trees and forests and woodlands. I just love that kind of stuff. And, you know, next thing I know, it's like, it's getting dark out. We got to go. <laughs> um, so yeah, that happens to me all the time. And it's, it's always in a situation where I just feel a really deep connection and reverence um, for the subject. Yeah, I, I don't have too much to add. I mean, I'm the same way. Um, you know, my partner, David Kingham can attest to this where, you know, we'll pull off and I'll say, oh, just stop. I, I just want to go look at this wash real quick. And then, you know, it's like an hour later, I'm not back at the car yet. And he comes down the wash and he's like, are you still alive? Because <laughs> it's, it's so easy to get lost. And the same thing happens to me at Yellowstone. If, if I ever get eaten by a bear and you see the news story, it's probably because I was so lost in the moment photographing something I didn't have time to react. So <laughs> that can be dangerous too. But, um, you know, and I think it's good to get into that frame of mind because that means you are so deeply connected to what you're shooting and that's how it should be. Um, you want to get lost. I mean, that's that's how nature is for a lot of us. You know, we, we head out there to clear our minds, to get lost, to not think about anything else. And when you follow those flashes of perception and you do just get so deeply focused, I mean, that's wonderful. And that's usually when you're creating your most, you know, inspiring and personal photography. Each one of you during our conversation has mentioned your partner, the support of them. Uh, and, and Ernesto, you, you even said your wife pushed you into this and, and pushed you into this framework. Uh, what does it mean to you having their support and having them cheering you on from the sidelines of not chasing what's popular per se, but kind of photographing in a way that 
is inspiring to you and, and that makes you, I feel like a more complete person, not, not just a photographer, but a more complete person. Yeah. I, um, I could not overstate, I think the influence that, that my wife Becca has on my photography, because I mean, she really is my partner in all these experiences. And honestly, I don't know that I would be doing photography if it weren't for the fact that we both, that we love being outside in nature together. Um, but she has been, uh, you know, in, immensely, in, in infinitely patient. And I mean, it seems like she almost enjoys it somehow uh, to, to be with me uh, and whenever I go shooting uh, and, you know, when I spend the time doing photography and all, in all of our outings. She challenges me, but, you know, there's been several times when I would, there, you know, back in the day where I would line up next to 20 other photographers and she's like, what, what are you doing? Like, go somewhere, you know, let's do something else, go somewhere else. Like, don't, don't, don't line up with everybody else. Um, and, and she often is, you know, she has, this, she's one of these people that has this built in sense of awe, uh, in terms of everything nature. So very often, you know, she's helping me see, right? Because I, I, uh, you know, she's particularly fascinated by little things and moths and all these things. So she's always pointing out all the little things that I could otherwise miss. So, you know, in, in some cases I, 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 you know, I see her as my partner and I go, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a cool foreground. Let, help, help me find this, uh, this certain kind of thing. And then, then she's out there hunting with me as well, you know? So anyway, it's, it's, uh, for me, um, it's certainly something that contributes a lot to the amount of fun that I have doing photography. And, and honestly, it's that companionship that I think makes me always, um, you know, a lot helps me in particular to always make photography number two, because it's, it's first about our experience and then whether, you know, whether I get a shot or not, is kind of, uh, secondary, but, uh, obviously because of all that, a lot of my favorite images are ones that we have where we've been in, in that experience together because there's a lot of memories attached to that. Yeah. When I, um, when my husband, Chris and I first started dating, um, that's when, when I was really, I seriously getting into photography and doing the, you know, getting up at sunrise, staying up for sunset, shooting Astro, Astro at all crazy hours of the night. Um, and so, he wasn't a photographer um, when we first met. So I bought him like this point and shoot camera. And I'm like, well, maybe he wants to, you know, just kind of walk around and, and do stuff with me. But he got so into it, um, which I just love. And I feel like we've both grown together um, and we're always traveling together. And we're it, it's kind of neat to see how different we both um come away with such different images standing in the exact same location. Uh, that's been really great. I learn a lot from him. I think we learn a lot from each other. Um, and I think it's important because one thing I was going to mention earlier, and I'm glad you brought this up, um, you know, when you get into that creative flow, um, you can get really distracted. And I, and I feel like he's my protector. If I'm, you know, if I were a single woman out by myself, I would be a lot more, um, you know, kind of looking around me, uh, paying closer attention to my surroundings, making sure there was nothing dangerous, um, you know, that, that was in my environment as I was photographing. But with him, I feel like, you know, he's kind of my protector and I'm really, 
really grateful for that because I know not everybody has that, especially, you know, female photographers. So I, I'm internally grateful for that. Yeah. And, you know, obviously David Kingham, my partner and my boyfriend who I've you know been traveling around with for five years, um, you know, we're super supportive of each other, but I mean, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without his support. Um, and a common question that we get, you know, because we do travel together and we photo together, you know, I think a lot of people have the misconception that like when we're out shooting, you know, we're like, you know, hip to hip, like following each other around, like shooting the same stuff. And oh, no, like I scatter, he scatters, you know, we we keep each other in like sight distance, but we easily follow our own little creative paths. And kind of like Beth said, I mean, we come back to the car and even though you're not, you know, it's not healthy to compare. Of course, it always happens where he's like, well, I was over here and look what I got. And well, I was over here and look what I got. And then, of course, <laughs> one of us inevitably will be like, well, I should have gone over there. Or, oh, man, I didn't get anything. Look what you got. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole of <laughs> discussion about it. how you shouldn't do that. But, um, you know, I mean, it's it's just natural. But, you know, yeah, I mean, we we're together all the time, but we have our own creative pursuits. Um, and we're just super supportive of each other. And yeah, I mean, we encourage each other. You know, it's exciting when one of us, you know, stumbles upon something that's really exciting or, you know, we have a new idea. Um, but yeah, I, you know, having a partner that supports you is, you know, very important in this field. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's hard. I mean, I am divorced. So, I mean, I'm not going to make any bones that, you know, I mean, when I got into photography, it was something that my previous husband, you know, wasn't too into. So it made vacations very stressful. It made things very hard. Um, of course, there were a number of other reasons, but, you know, I, I can understand, you know, if you don't have that support or a partner that supports you in this, it can it can definitely be very challenging. Jennifer, I was going to ask you before, you know, so when you got on the car to go down into that wash, does, yeah, does, does he stay or does he walk in a different direction, right? I mean, it's... Uh, either or. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we have lost each other, I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, yeah very rarely are we like right together the whole time. I mean, it, it's great that we can just go follow, you know, what our eyes see. And it's usually different. I mean, occasionally we do come back with similar things, but no, it's, it's always exciting. You know, I, I was going to say, I think that uh, it's kind of interesting because, you know, like I said, my wife is not a photographer, but she is like a natural creative, right? So she sees compositions like left and right. So I learned this lesson, you know, about you know, you always need some humility, right? That like, and, 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 you know, I think we learn that lesson all the time. And with me, it's with her, like, she'll like, after she says, you know, don't line up with everybody else. And then, you know, when we, we, we get back to the car and she's, and I'm like looking at, uh, or that night I look at her, her cell phone photos. So I was like, oh, look at that composition. How did I miss that? And she's like, I told you not to line up with everybody else, but you know, you didn't listen or, you know, it's a, I've had several of those moments where, um, you know, I've learned to once in a while be like, "Oh, you're shooting something on your phone. Well, let me show. Let me let me see what let me see what you're doing, what you're seeing." Because the fact that she doesn't call herself a photographer means nothing, right? Because everybody can take a beautiful picture if you're if if you're if you're creative. And you know, uh, you know, the obvious question here is why isn't she shooting? Well, I've tried. Like, I bought another camera and a kid, and you know, we've we, but she's just not into the technical stuff, right? So. Anyway, uh, I, I think that it was kind of funny that I have that experience, Jennifer, sometimes where my partner comes back with better shots than I do, and she's not a photographer. 
Yeah, I've had I've had several experiences where my wife's not a photographer at all and honestly couldn't care less about photography. She has I have her support, but you know, I'll be like, uh, I I don't think I'm going out for sunrise today and she'll be like, "Why?" And I'll be like, "Well, you know, the clouds aren't really forming where I want them to." And she's always like, "Don't you always tell people to go out anyways? You're kind of like being hypocritical here." <laughs> So it's always fun to to get that feedback and get that challenge. Now, we've talked about, too, what you guys have gotten out of the movement, what benefits you see in, in your own personal creativity and your enjoyment of it, and even some of the mental health side, talking about anxiety and how it can calm that down. But in, in terms of people who are coming to the website, who are seeing what you're posting online, what's the majority feedback from them of, of how it's benefiting their creativity and, and how they express themselves through photography? Um, I've had some feedback. I think what a lot of people get out of it is that, you know, I've had some tell me, you know, it, it's almost like I, I arrived on your site, I saw what it's about, and now I can kind of give myself that permission to do this because I see so many other people doing it and getting so much out of this experience that, you know, you guys are saying, you know, it's okay to, you know, go photograph, you know, dirt if that's what you're into, or, you know, you, you find some connection with this rock or this tree. Um, and yeah, the feedback has pretty much just been, you know, it's exciting that it's, you know, something new, another facet of photography that maybe they haven't experimented with before or something new to challenge themselves with. Um, but one of the recurring themes is just, you know, people giving themselves that permission to try something new, to experiment and look a little bit deeper, not only into themselves, but their own photography journey. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I have heard is appreciation for the stories, the content in, in all, you know, especially in our social media, like in our Instagram and Facebook posts, like that the fact that there is more depth uh, and, and, uh, Every single time there's a focus on, um, you know, on, on the experience likely or, you know, or, or the, you know, like you said, the mental state or is there something about why or how the image was created uh, that gives the, um, the, I think the people that are coming to, to that platform, something to look forward to, to make connections, uh, to, to keep their attention a little longer. Because it's not just about seeing a pretty picture and, and moving on. Uh, so that's something that I've heard um, positive comments about, I guess, uh, many times. That we're, we're uh, sounds like we're starting to succeed in creating a, a, a community, uh, you know, or a movement, if you will, <laughs> where, where, you know, the, more than just the, the picture matters. There's, there's a focus on, on, on the experience as well. Yeah, I would add to that that, I mean, the feedback that I've gotten, um, which is really encouraging to me, because this is something that was important to me um, in SPM, was to um, invite um, a diverse array of viewpoints on the topic. Um, there is no single one white, right way to do it. Um, and, and the other thing that I've that I've heard from people is it's just been a great community, you know, and, and that's something that we've worked really hard to achieve is just creating a community where it's a safe place for people to post 
Um, it's a safe um, environment for people to experiment and give, give each other feedback um, and share their work. So, I mean, just diversity and, and safety, I think, are, are the two uh, words that come to my mind. And, and what does it mean to you, Beth? I, I want to come back to you for this one. Uh, and then the other two can answer as well. But what does it mean to you personally to have people reach out to you or to just see that people are getting more out of this movement? Um, and, and you being, you three re- really being the faces of it. Yeah, I, you know, to, to Ernesto's earlier point, there, there was a lot of uh, period of time where social media was this big competition, right? Um, It was, it was very competitive environment. Um, Everybody had to one up everybody else. Um, And that, then that environment really just ground me down. I, I just, it just wasn't, it was sapping my joy and it was sapping my creativity. Uh, when you take that competition element out of it and you start lifting each other up and encouraging each other, um, it, it's really enriched me photographically to learn from other people, like I mentioned before, to read about their stories, to understand their approach. And I think lifting each other up in that environment and not making it about a competition um, does wonders for your creativity. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, when people have reached out, it just, it makes me absolutely just joyous because I'm seeing, you know, people, whether they're new to this or not profession, but new to this hobby, or they've been doing it for 10 years, just hearing them reach out saying, you know, like, thank you for this, or, oh my gosh, you know, you've opened my eyes to something completely new. It's so rewarding. And we keep those relationships with everybody. You know, this isn't something where, you know, people are just an image or a number. I mean, we, we've gotten to know a lot of these people that have joined our movement so well, and we follow each other's journeys on Instagram. And, you know, like Beth said, it's all about encouragement and lifting each other up. And, you know, it, it goes so much more beyond the movement. And I have now, you know, I've had, you know, I've become friends and colleagues with a lot of these people now, and they've only added so much more to my own journey and, you know, my photography life. And I'm just so thankful. And it just, it always feels good to be part of, you know, a tribe or a clan or, you know, your little group of, you know, peers that, you know, just lift you up. You know, it's not a negative environment. You feel safe. And I think that's really important, especially in this hobby, because I mean, the mental ups and downs and, you know, there's a lot more to it than I think meets the eye when a lot of people think of photography and what goes into it. Um, So just having that, you know, almost like a safe space with, you know, people that you generally or you genuinely respect and admire and we all just collaborate together and it's just it warms my heart and it's just been a huge positive thing for me the past few years. Yeah, I I, agree. I couldn't agree more, Jennifer and Beth. Um, I think that um, it's 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 a different. Uh, it must exercise a different part of the brain or something when you start celebrating others, because it it can give you so much so much fulfillment as well. And I think out of necessity, right, when you're doing your own photography and and there's a, I mean, there's some degree of self-promotion that's almost inevitable when you're trying to share what you're doing with others, right? Um, And I think that for me, it was kind of, um, I was, I guess, uh, that was frustrating and it's not something that I, that I 
really kind of enjoyed or the thought of trying to do more of that was kind of difficult and it's you know honestly like featuring other photographers celebrating stuff that you think is gorgeous and stunning and being so happy for for that even if it's not your own work it's such a great exercise um and and it, it can be so fulfilling and i think that uh all of us have have benefited from from doing that and that's just the three of us i think again the broader community um, that 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 is so active. Um, uh, it seems like this is something that's bonding a lot of people together uh, right now and creating a lot, a lot of connections that weren't were not there before. If somebody is sold on what they've heard, or, or maybe they're like fifty percent there and they want to get the rest of the way, where can they go to find out more about you know what what the articles you've talked about are, or following you guys on social media? Um, well, we have a, you know, I think Jennifer and Beth, you can agree or disagree here. Let me know if I'm wrong, but I think we think of our website as kind of the the center of the, what we're doing because that's where that's where the articles reside, and we have basically tried to build a social media only as uh, pla- as a, in support of that platform. Uh, which is, you know, was something to consider from the beginning. It was like, we're not trying to create a mega Instagram account. We're trying to create a platform for, you know, having thoughtful articles and conversations about about this. So slowphotographymovement.com is the website. There's a blog. Uh, you'll see all these articles will come up. Um, and, you know, that's probably the best place to go. We also have, uh, obviously, of course, our Instagram account is where you'll, if you want to get featured, uh, you can use our hashtag. And we are trying to feature a, a broad, uh, a lot of voices um, and, and be very inclusive there and, 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 and common and celebrate each other as part of that platform, too. And if you're interested in submitting a, an article for the website, we're all about having guest contributors. Uh, you know, we want to have more voices. Well, great. They're Beth Young, Jennifer Renwick, and Ernesto Ruiz. I want to thank you all three for coming on and and chatting about this important movement in landscape photography. Thank you, David, for having us. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Landscape Photography Show. At the beginning of the episode, you heard about a specific patron who's supporting the podcast so it can continue week after week, bringing you the best landscape photography discussions and interviews and inspiration. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of that community over on Patreon, you can go there now, sign up and get extra exclusive content from the podcast reflections from this episode about how the slow photography movement was used for my own photography myself being the lab rat to this the lessons I learned along the way and how it made me de-stress over time while I was out shooting and some important lessons that you can learn along the way as a photographer yourself. You can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston or you can visit the Patreon link when you click the become a patron button on today's show notes at davidjohnstonart.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.